Hello, everyone. <laughs> My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to, to see you all. To see you all. Uh, we, are, we are finishing our series on the Sermon on the Mount today. Uh, we started it back in January, and today's the, the final installment. And I was thinking, this is like the, if you've been around a while, this is like the third or fourth series that I've landed. I don't know what that means about... It's kind of like, all right, everything's been said. Uh, been just, uh. So, no, what we're going to do is, is, is as a way to, to, to go back and, and sort of review it, I'm going to go back and read the entire Sermon on the Mount verse by verse just to make sure that we're all on the same page, uh, three chapters of Scripture. Um, just kidding. But to briefly go back, so what Jesus is doing He's launching his public ministry. Up to this time, he has gone around the region of Galilee. He is healed. He has taught in synagogues, but he hasn't really gone public yet. And so as an act to begin his public ministry, he ascends a mount um, just north of the Sea of Galilee, and he sits down with his disciples and he begins to teach. And what he's doing is acting out for us the fact that we are entering into a new Age, a new stage in salvation history. Moses climbed the mountain to receive the law, to then pass on to the people. And what Jesus is now doing is, is going on to the mountain to say, I have come to fulfill that law. Here now is a picture of what life looks like for those who believe that I have come to fulfill that law. So it's a, it's a life in response to what Jesus has done. So it's a really cool thing that he's doing he's physically acting out for us something something new that is coming he has fulfilled it how then shall we live and he begins his sermon with the beatitudes these blessed are these statements blessed are those who mourn blessed are uh, the poor in spirit um, blessed are the meek uh, as sort of an introductory uh, comment and then he moves practical he gets topical he starts talking about things that we can all relate to anger, lust, retaliation, uh, the, the, the warns us about judging other people. Um, Jesus then moves in and teaches us how to pray. Uh, what does it look like to be a follower of him and, and pray to our Father in heaven? He then sort of begins to conclude his sermon by reminding us that we are to love others the same way that we desire to be loved. And then as his conclusion on the sermon, he, he gives us warnings, a series of about three or four warnings. And if you've been here the past couple of weeks, he's, you, you've heard these. He's warned us about the wide gate versus the narrow gate. And the wide gate is easy, but it leads to destruction. He's warned us against um, false teachers who come to, and they appear to be teaching the truth, but actually are not. They're, they're wolf, wolves in sheep's clothing. He's warned us about false disciples, those who think they're Christians, who go out and do all kinds of things um, in his name, but in fact, there's no relationship at all. And then he comes to this final uh, warning, uh, which we're going to look at this morning. And it's a, it's a short parable of these two men who um, decide to build a house, they build houses, and uh, the, the difference is the foundation upon which they build their homes. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. How does this apply uh, to our lives? So um, if you could please stand. I'm going to read this. This is Matthew 7, verses 24 to 29. 
Hear now the words that Jesus spoke as he concluded his sermon on the mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and you can be seated. I want to begin by showing you a picture of my house. This is a picture of my house. This is my house. We've lived in this house about 10 years. It's uh, in Hendersonville. Um, great street, great house, a lot of good memories there. Um, the only thing is that uh, it has one bathroom, and it's tiny. And, so, and the house was built in the 1940s. So my theory is that people in the 40s didn't go to the bathroom a lot, <laughs> and they were all just tiny hobbits. Um, <laughs> I don't, know how, I, don't, I don't know how reliable this theory is, but this is the, the theory I'm working with. And it's so funny in the mornings. We're getting the girls ready to go to school, and my, and my wife and I for our day, and we're all in there at the same time brushing our teeth. And it is like this cog in a wheel, how we're all moving around, spitting, and like all this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Um, the other uh, thing about the house, and you wouldn't know it by looking at it, is that when this picture was taken last summer... The foundation of this house was cracked, and it had holes all around it. And I don't know if you remember last fall, but we kind of had some rain. And uh, when it would rain, water would seep down and pour through the holes in the foundation onto the floor of my basement. It's just an unfinished basement. But what I would do, on especially heavy rains, I would go and stand in the middle of my basement, and I would listen in like stereo, IMAX, theater, surround sound, water pouring from all my foundation walls onto the floor of my basement. It's not a good situation. I'm no foundations expert, um, but I'm pretty sure that that is not a good situation to be in. Um, It's kind of common sense. Like Jesus' parable. Jesus' parable, uh, we don't have to be um, structural engineers or anything to get the concept, get the main message of what Jesus is saying. That's why it's, it's so perfect for us. It's a short picture. It's to the point. We can understand it. If we are to be wise, if we are to build our house on a rock, we will not just hear Jesus' teaching, but we will live lives that reflect the belief that what he has said is true. If we, are, if, if we will do that, that's what he means in verse 24, to do his words. We hear them, but we then do them. It's living a life that is a response to who he is, what he has done, and what he said. Conversely, so he, he in classic wisdom literature type way, he presents two paths. The other path, the foolish one, would be someone who listens to these words and then says, no, not for me. I got it. That's a house on sand. What Jesus is doing in this parable is giving us 
a warning. It's a very gracious, merciful thing that Jesus is doing. He is encouraging us to do some examining of our foundations before the storm hits. And so as sort of an overview of where we're going, we're going to be talking about houses. What houses do we build? Metaphorically, of course. What are the foundations? What are the storms? And we're going to be thinking of this. I'm going to invite us all to be thinking about this individually, of course. What are the houses that I build? What are the foundations I use? But also corporately, as a church, always pushing us beyond just thinking of ourselves. Corporately, what could this, what could this look like? So what we're going to do uh, as we now begin this study on this parable, I want, to, I want to first compare the two men. One builds his house on rock, the other one builds his house on sand. But before we get there, let's talk about how are they similar, and then how are we, as the hearers of this parable, similar to them. You follow? How are they similar? How are we similar with them? And first, uh, first thing I want to do is before we get to the actual construction of the house, let's begin with their desire. Both men are similar in that they have a desire to build. We, too, have a desire to build houses. Where does this desire come from? Now, uh, we are born in the image of God. God is a creator. As image bearers, we, too, create. And it's a beautiful thing. We see the art. It's, It's a reflection of who God is in us. But I'm actually not going to go that path. I'm going to go a little darker. Because oftentimes we build out of a sense of lost, being lost. A sense of um, um, an orphanhood. Let me explain what I mean. We are born separated from our Father. We are born separated from our Creator. We are born outside of the family of God. And since we are cut off from the source of all meaning, security, and significance for us because of our sin, we begin to look elsewhere and to create things that will give us the meaning and significance we long for. This is called idolatry. We are cut off from God because of our sin. We still have a deep longing to be known and to have a relationship with something and someone who is transcendent. But since we are born dead in our sin... We begin to just start to create things. Oh, this is who I am. This is. Think of uh, the Tower of Babel. Just real quick example. Genesis 11, if you know this story. The fall has occurred. Sin is in all humanity. There's a a, a massive city and the people gather and they say, you know what? We're going to build a tower up to God. And do you remember the quote as to why they decide to build this tower? To make a name for ourselves. And a name means, has far more than just a name. It's reputation. It's an identity. It's, it's, a, it's substantive. We will do this so that we can extract from it meaning. That's what we do with our sin. So these men are builders. They have this desire to build. We, too, because of our sin, have this desire to build something that we can get meaning from. Let's talk about the houses. Now, in the parable, Jesus doesn't really give us much indication that the houses are any different. I think he's, he's kind of leaving it that um, the houses are quite similar. That's not really the point of his parable, what the houses look like. Well, is it is a split level? Is it a ranch? Is it... 
This is the house. And so what I'm going to do for sake of this, my argument this morning is I'm going to choose a house, metaphorical house, that I'm pretty sure we all build, we all seek to build. And that is the house of acceptance and being loved by others, being loved by somebody else. That is a, that is a house we all desire to build. And especially this whole idea of building a house of being accepted by someone, again, that stems from this desire or this, this, this knowledge that we have in our heart that we are separated from God. And so, therefore, we desire to be accepted and loved. So think of it this way, and this is kind of weird. I get it. It's metaphorical, and all these word pictures, but you, you kind of get it that we have this desire because of our sin, and the, and the common house that we all tend to build is this need of uh, um, being accepted and loved. That's kind of the same house for all of us. But here's where it starts to diverge. And this is where it begins to diverge in the parable. Because, again, the point was not the similarity of the houses. The point that Jesus is making is that which is beneath the surface. What is the foundation? How are our foundations different? The foundations were different for the builders, and their endings were different. For us, our foundations to this house that we're building about acceptance can differ. And so what I'm going to do is list about five typical foundations that we tend to um, use as foundations to build this house of acceptance. You guys following me? First one we tend to use, and I use this one a lot, is our, is our career, is our job. That's a foundation that I then build this house of acceptance upon. So, for example, if I do well in my job, uh, I will be accepted by my peers. If I do well this morning, you guys may like me. Our bosses will like us. Uh, if we manage people, they will like us. Uh, it's a very common foundation that we turn to when we're building this house of acceptance. If I do well in my job, I will be accepted. I will be loved by others. I will be brought in, and then I'm good. Another example of a foundation is family. That's another one that I go to a lot. As a dad of girls, I have this in my head that if my girls are doing well, I'm doing well. If they're succeeding, I'm succeeding. Conversely, if they're struggling, that's a reflection upon me. I'm failing as a dad if they're having a hard time. Another way we use family as a foundation, I think, is just to have our family with us. Um, growing up, I can remember my mom saying she just loves to have her chicks with her. As the mother hen, having my sister and I there, she's happy and content because she has her chicks with her. And I kind of have that too. When I look around and I got my girls and I'm, you know, we're all together, there is, the, there is a deeper feeling of, yeah, I'm going to be okay. There's a surety that comes from that. What's another foundation? Another foundation could be um, exercising, health. Um, looks, beauty. If I look good and I feel good, uh, other people will um, affirm me, and therefore I have value. I have meaning. They like me. Um, friendships, romantic relationships. If I'm romantically involved in someone, uh, with someone, then I'm good. I'm, then I'm secure. If I have a lot of friends, virtual or real, uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm secure and confident in, 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 in who I am. Now look, none of these are bad things. Hear me on that. None of these are bad. 
Um, it, it, it's healthy to have meaningful relationships. It's, it's, the, it's good to do well in our job. Like, that's something that we should strive to do, to take care of ourselves, to, to love our families, to be loved by them. We honor Christ by doing these things well. But what do we end up doing usually? Go too far with it. Our sin nature within us begins to twist these things and begin to use them in ways they were never intended to be used. Right? And that's, that's when we start to twist it and get things a little mixed up. Building our house, the sense of acceptance and worth, this is the one example I'm using. Building our house on these things will lead to disaster. These are foundations of sand. Why? Why is that a foundation of sand? And some of you might be thinking, don't call my family Sandy. My family's not Sandy. Why is that a foundation of sand? And why will that end up leading, uh, leading to disaster? Here's why. Storms come. Storms will come. And so let's use this as an example. If I build my house of acceptance upon the foundation of my job, what is a storm that may come to knock that house down? Losing my job. Being let go, uh, having a performance review and, and, and being told, hey, this, this is not really working out. I think you're going to have to find someplace else to work. I'm really sorry. What happens to the house then? It comes crumbling down. What about the foundation of uh, family with kids? Guess what? Kids are, kids are going to start making decisions that you don't agree with. They're going to start to make decisions that sort of fly in your face and be like, wait, wait well, no, no, that's not what we do. And when they start to rebel, when they grow wings and fly away and move away, and the chicks fly out of the roost or whatever, saying, I, I wasn't raised on a farm, but when the chicks fly out of the net, the chicks go in nests. Duh, focus, Ben. When the Kids, go away, is my point. And the family dynamics shift, and they start having families of their own, and all of a sudden they're moving to another place. And, you know, wait, this isn't, this is what I thought, you know, and, and that's a foundation that, that, uh, that, um, that can rock that house. Other ones, let me just go back to some of these. So, like, wrinkles can form. If our, if our house is built upon the foundation of beauty... Guess what? Wrinkles will start forming. Hair will... Did I just hear someone say, oh, no? <laughs> Sorry to break it to you, but no. But, like, hair turns gray, falls out, muscles begin to ache. Sitting down or standing up becomes more of an audible thing than just merely physical. Um, th- things have... Storms come... That knocked these houses down. But even talking about your spouse and those sorts of relationships, guess what? Divorce happens. A spouse may die. Um, and again, these aren't bad things in and of themselves. But again, there's a twisting that takes place. And Jesus, what he's doing in his grace and mercy is coming to us before that storm. Now, again, some of y'all might be experiencing a storm right now. And I don't want to skip over that. But in this passage, there's a little bit of, of looking ahead. There's a little nuance of, of the future. And he's saying, look, 
I've seen the radar, and there is a storm coming. And so what I want you to do is before that storm comes, I want you to examine some of these foundations. Is your foundation on sand, or is it on rock? And when these houses that we build are on the foundation of sand, and then they begin to crumble, Jesus says that that fall of that house is going to be great. Have any of you ever been disillusioned? I imagine we all have. Disillusioned by something. For me, my mind immediately goes to my third year teaching high school when, I'm not going to use his name because he might be listening to the sermon. Uh, <laughs> but this kid started throwing desks and tables and chairs and books and all kinds of stuff. And he called me were names. I didn't know what they were. Um, but he was mad at me, and he stormed out. And I remember thinking, this whole making the world a better place through teaching high school history is going to be a little harder than I thought. (laughs) That dude and I are not tracking on the same page. Disillusion happens. Um, And so think think of a hero you have, or someone you just admire, you look up to, and then you find out they're flawed. Finding, thinking thing, something is the same is, is, is one way only to find out that it's not, like, like avocados aren't that great. That can be, that's a very disillusionment. Um, I'm kind of making light of this, but seriously, when, when, you, when you think things are a certain way and then you find out they're not, that can be incredibly painful. Incredibly painful. Um, even like an un- unraveling that could occur because you have built an understanding of yourself and the world around you upon a certain set of beliefs, upon a, cer- a certain set of relationships, upon a certain set of just understandings about yourself and everyone else. And, and then when that gets threatened or when it crumbles, there is some deep uh, wounds that can occur. And it's messy. Thinking that you are standing on a rock only to find out that you're standing on sand is painful, especially when you have built up this sense of worth upon that false foundation. I want to show you a couple of the pictures about uh, our, my house. Um, I finally decided that this wasn't a good situation, although uh, I... I had no idea what I was getting into, but I knew that something had to be done with the, with the rock, with my foundation, with all the holes in it. So um, excavators came, and these guys got to work, and um, it was, um, and you can see, so they had to dig, these are French drains, they had to dig down, patch all the holes in my foundation, and then, and then fix it. And let me tell you, that was painful to endure, um, and expensive. But it, it was, but, but what was the alternative, right? And so think of this in our own spiritual lives, in our own relationships, digging down to the foundation. First of all, realizing that your foundation has holes in it and it's cracked is painful enough. But digging down, it's messy. It, it, it takes much longer than you think. It's much more involved than you think. And you have to re- uh, calibrate a lot of things. Um, they, uh, they dug this trench all around my house. It's like all of a sudden we, we have a moat. I didn't want a moat. I didn't ask for a moat. But it's what was necessary if I was going to move from a very 
uh, weak foundation onto a stronger foundation. But here's the amazing thing. Looking back, I'm thankful for the storms. Looking at my house, going into my basement, looking around the foundation, I had no idea the condition that I was really in until what? Until the storm came. The storm revealed the weakness of my foundation. And I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. Now, to be sure, if I'm standing there in my basement, water is pouring in all around me, was I thankful for the storm in that moment? No. If my neighbor had come over and hollered down from me from the top of my stairs, Ben, great weather we're having, right? <laughs> thankful for these storms? I would have probably not honored Christ in that moment with my response to him. No, when you're in the midst of that storm, someone coming to you and saying, hey, be thankful. Uh, that, that, that would not have been the best thing for me to hear in that moment. For you, you might be experiencing a storm right now. Don't, don't, don't hear from me. You need to be thankful for the storm you're experiencing. Again, what Jesus is doing is it's just such a kind thing to be able to see the purpose of the storms from the past and look ahead for the future to know that nothing is wasted. And if there's, a, if there's a storm that's going to be happening in the future, and there will be one, I need to know that it's not going to be just for nothing and that there is a purpose in it. Jesus is our rock. He is the one who shores up that foundation. He is the foundation. Back to my house, I did get it fixed. They eventually finished, and I was able to get the foundation, everything fixed. And we have grass now, and it's wonderful. And now, when I look at the radar and I see a storm's coming, and we're going to get seven or eight inches of rain, bring it. (laughs) I'll pop popcorn. I'll invite the friends over. Let's have a storm. Because I don't have anything to fear. My basement's not going to flood anymore. I'm on a firm foundation, and it changes the way I view the storms that I have coming in the future. Jesus is our rock. He is the one who provides for us that which we all desire, uh, which we all look elsewhere to get, the security and significance. He is the one who calls us by name, who brings us in as sheep into his pasture. And again, he's gracious and merciful enough to be doing this before the storm hits. He's also the sovereign king over the storms so that we may see the weakness of our foundation. I don't know all the reasons why he allows storms to happen in our life. I don't know all the reasons. But from my own experience and from studying scripture, I know that one of the reasons is for him to remind the people, remind me through the storm that he is God. Not all these other things that I turn to. And pretend our God. He is the sovereign creator and and sustainer of all things. And not all these other things that I build. So it's a gracious thing that he's doing. And this is not only true individually. This is true for the church. And this is not only true in this life. But it's also true in the next. Jesus as our rock. And let me conclude with this. One other storm that we have to face that this passage is referring to, is the storm of Judgment Day, 
when we all have to stand before Jesus as our judge and give an account. Romans 14, 12, for example, each of us will give an account to himself, to God. 2 Corinthians 5.10, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's common. That's common. I know that some of us might be squirming in our seats a little bit right now, uh, but I would be unfaithful to the passage if I did not mention this. Jesus, once again, by a gracious act, is telling us that one day, after we pass from this life into the next, we will have to face the storm of judgment. And if our foundation is on anything else than him, if our foundation is on our good works, or in a sense that we can earn for ourselves favor with God, earn forgiveness, earn acceptance into the family of God, great will be the fall in that day. That is a foundation of sand. But here is the good news. Jesus faced the storm of judgment in our place. He willingly submitted to the will of his Father by building his house on sand, our sin, that could not stand up to the wrath of God's judgment, the ultimate final storm. It's the storm that we deserved, but he took it in our place, and an exchange took place. Jesus took our sinful foundation of sand and exchanged it with his of rock, Therefore, if we are in Christ, if we trust him as our Savior, he is our rock on judgment day, and we have nothing to fear when that storm comes. And this truth helps us when we face storms in this life. It doesn't mean that the storms we encounter in this life won't hurt. They will. But when we know that in the future, we know that that last storm has been calmed by Jesus... We have nothing to fear in that ultimate storm. It does at least reframe for us the storms that we encounter in this life. We have nothing to fear. The storms may hurt, but we have nothing to fear. A quick picture of this. Uh, This past Wednesday morning, I had an aunt pass away, one of my dad's sisters. Uh, It's hard Losing a family member is especially hard for my dad and his remaining brother and sister. Uh, losing, losing Louise, their sister. It's a storm for them right now. But my aunt trusted Christ for her salvation. So this past Wednesday morning, she was standing before God on, ju- on the judgment day, uh, firmly planted upon Jesus as her rock, and she passed into her eternal rest. We know that. Her faith in Christ was secure, so she had nothing to fear in that day, and, she, and, and we know that she's home. That is a truth that helps us, the rest of us, as we are experiencing the storm of losing a loved one and mourning her loss, it, it informs the way we respond to this storm. We know we're going to see her again. Our faith is in Christ. Her faith was in Christ. There is going to be this great homecoming in the sky. And it's a great comfort, even as this present storm is raging in my family. Jesus is our rock. He is our sure foundation, both in this life and in the next. And therefore, we have nothing to fear. So come what may. Let's pray.
Father, we all, we all build. We all build things that uh, we seek uh, value from. We, we think they will bring meaning to our lives. We all do it. We all build on sand. But there's great comfort in knowing that, Jesus, you are our rock. And you convict us of our sandy foundations because you love us. And you want to bring us back to you as our sure foundation. The storms rage in this life. We all, we all know it. You use those storms, though, Father, to reveal our sandy foundations and help us to rest and have just profound peace by knowing that the final storm has been calmed by you, Jesus. And since that storm is calmed, we have nothing to fear then. We have nothing to fear now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.